0: All right. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we um, welcome your presence into this place, Lord. We know that you go before us, um, that you are already here, and I pray that we would be aware of your presence this morning. And Lord, that we would take steps to grow in our understanding of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, this, this thing, this reality that you desire to see here on this earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, this morning, would you move in us and meet us where we're at? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good to see so many of you here this morning. I learned, I learned something in Kentucky, that the crowd size determines how you use the word y'all. And so, if there was a small amount of people, 20 people here, you might just say, thanks, y'all, for being here. And because there's more people here to say, I'd say, all y'all. Thanks, all y'all, for being here today. So if you've ever been to Kentucky, um, maybe you picked up on that and maybe not. And one other funny story to go along with that, I wasn't going to share this. Um, so we lived near Florence, Kentucky. Uh, the, the Creation Museum is in Hebron, Kentucky. And if you go just a little bit east, there's Florence. And Florence has this water tower. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, Allison does, because she lived there too. So. There was this water tower that was built to go along with a new mall that was being built, I think back in the 70s. And there was a rule that said you couldn't advertise for something that wasn't open. And this water tower said Florence Mall. And so they got in trouble and they had to change it. So somebody, the story goes, went up uh, with, you know, all the harnesses and ladders and took a gallon of paint up and changed the M into a Y. And added an apostrophe. And to this day, seriously, the water tower says Florence, y'all. You can Google it. It's there, I promise. So so today we're talking about kingdom urgency. And this is a series about Jesus' work and his mission and our participation in that mission as the body of Christ. And the phrase kingdom urgency assumes a couple of different things that we intentionally want to communicate. First of all, the kingdom of God is a real and observable thing This isn't just a philosophy. This isn't just a theory This isn't something that is only in the abstract, right? The kingdom of God is real and observable We don't observe everything that's going on in the kingdom of God because we are not God God does things in other places that we don't see. He does things in hearts that we don't see But there are many things in God's kingdom, there is evidence of God's kingdom that we get to see and observe. Second, the kingdom of God is good, holy, and pleasing to God. This is something that we should desire as followers of Jesus. We should desire to to have what God considers good be a bigger part in our lives. What God considers pleasing to be more of a reality in our lives as well. So this isn't something that we should be scared of. It might be something that makes us uncomfortable at times if we're growing in our understanding of the kingdom of God or engaging with the kingdom of God in new ways. But it's something that's good. And sometimes good things are also challenging and good things can also make us uncomfortable. Third is this, that God is very much active and he is actively working in heaven and on earth to rescue and establish his kingdom. His gospel kingdom. So this isn't something that God has shoved onto our plates and said, this is all you, church. That's not what the reality is. God continues to work and engage and be an active participant in his kingdom. And then the fourth thing is this, the word urgency. This is not something that we are called to put off and put off and put off in our lives. Jesus lived with a lot of urgency, very intentionally did what he saw the Father doing, what the Father told him to do, and he desires for his followers to do the same thing, to follow the same path, the same model, the same examples that he set in how we fulfill and act out God's kingdom work here on this earth. I would say that most of Western Christianity portrays God's mission, the kingdom of God, as important but not urgent. Important, but not urgent. Nobody in this room would would think that God's mission is not important, right? We probably wouldn't be here if that was the case But is it urgent? No pastor would say that as their slogan the kingdom of God is important, but not urgent No church would put that on their billboard outside the the building, but the reality is in the Western culture and this is a broad statement, I get it. This isn't true for everything in every place, but in the Western culture, we say Jesus is important with our words, and by and large, our lives display very little urgency in how we prioritize and structure our day-to-day lives and what we put our time and our effort and our resources towards. Google tells me, Google's really smart, Google tells me that there are 208 million Christians in this country. That's like 63% of the population. Well, good, right? This this world looks really different because of that. No. Like, we don't see the evidence of that in our country, do we? 205 million Christians? The reality is that's probably pretty high. That's people who say, I'm a Christian. That doesn't mean that's people that actively work on or live out or participate in their faith. And of those actively participating and practicing... Uh, An active churchgoer now attends once a month, right? An active churchgoer attends once a month based on studies because there's so many other competing interests. So somebody who is actively participating in their faith and in a house of worship, um, most of the studies consider 12 times a year to be active. And so we have this big number, yet we see, maybe we see so little of the kingdom of God. And we see a country that is defined by divisions and and politics and arguments and yelling the loudest rather than what we see in the life of Jesus Christ. And that's one of the reasons um, our council and our deacons and us as pastors felt like this was a really good time to talk about the urgency of the kingdom of God, because it affects not just us, not just Emmanuel, but the world that we live in. So about urgency— um, how many of you have not paid taxes yet? I'm just kidding. You don't have to say that. <laughs> taxes stir up some urgency, right? Because there's deadlines. So it's it's a money thing. I always put off doing taxes. Now, when I was younger and I knew I was always going to get a refund, I would do it quick, right? Because you want the refund. Why should the government sit on money that I could be earning interest on, right? And nowadays, since I'm a pastor and i th- file quarterlies, I know I'm pretty much always going to owe something in tax season, and so I'm always fearful of hearing what that number is, and so I put off doing taxes. So when January 1st rolls around, taxes are important, but they're not urgent, right? They're not urgent because I'm probably going to pay the government something more. And in about March 15th, I think to myself, oh, if I forget this for a couple more weeks, I could be in trouble. And the last couple years, they've delayed it, and that's fine. But about March 15th is when I get everything together and make sure it gets done. Because now it's urgent. Now there's a deadline. Or how many of you have lost your keys or cell phone before? In the last week? Anybody in the last week? You know what urgency feels like, right? So, so for me, if I lose, Allison can attest to this, if I lose my car key or my cell phone, I'm going to be worthless trying to do anything else until I find that. Uh, even if it's a book that I thought I had and I can't find Like, there's just, this wall goes up in my mind, and that wall has to be beaten down, and I have to solve the problem before I can move on and be useful in doing anything else. There's an urgency. Now, the difference here is that when it comes to the kingdom of God and God's timetable, we don't know when Jesus is coming back, do we? We know when we need to file taxes, but we don't know when Jesus is coming back. And we don't know when our earthly lives are going to end. We don't get to decide that, do we? And that means that as the body of Christ, there is an urgency to both us hearing and receiving the kingdom of God in our lives, and there's an urgency to proclaiming and working towards God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, particularly when it comes to people who do not know Jesus and have not heard that good news. There's an urgency to it. And it's really easy, even for a pastor, to lose track of that in the grind of our life and in our culture. Now, these examples I gave about taxes and losing things, maybe you have anxiety now, I'm sorry. Um, It stirs those things up. So what what does a positive example look like? I don't think the kingdom of God is God negatively influencing us and prodding us to do things, right? Right? So let's think of this in a positive way. Picture Christmas morning, I know it's hard when it's 90 degrees out. Picture Christmas morning and the coffee pot is on and you can smell the coffee and the the Kringla is fresh and warm. And the Christmas tree is fully stocked with beautifully wrapped packages. And you have little kids. And for these little kids, there's nothing more important and urgent than getting to the place in the morning Where they get to open up those gifts and see what's there and put them to use, right? That's a positive thing. It's something that pulls them in and it draws them and they fixate on this. Now, as parents, we don't want them to fixate too much on that, right? But the kingdom of God is different. I think God wants us to fixate on it. What if that's how we viewed the kingdom of God in our lives? A gift to be opened each and every day. Something that God has prepared for us to be a part of in his love and in his grace. Good, good gifts from a good, good father. I think this paints a better picture, right? The kingdom of God is a beautifully wrapped Christmas gift, which is true on Christmas, right? Waiting each day to be opened and realized and put to use by the church, by God's people. Friends, this kingdom urgency is a theme and a topic that hopefully should stoke the fires of our hearts and wake us up to the reality of what God is doing in our lives and around us in the world. What God is doing to redeem his people and to bring the lost back to him. And this theme should instill in us a great desire to actively, actively be a part in this mission and this gift that God is calling us to do, that God has entrusted to his church and his people. So then what is the kingdom of God? So kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are used fairly interchangeably in the scriptures. So for our purposes, we're going to call them the same thing. The kingdom of God, in its simplest form, it's this. It's what God reigns over as king, right? And the fulfillment on earth of God's will. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, because Jesus prayed for thy kingdom to come and thy will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we see God's will being implemented and carried out and come to fruition here on earth, we are witnessing, we are witnessing the kingdom of God. So what is God's will? God's will is to re- rescue and renew a sin-stained creation. That touches humanity and everything else in our world. The kingdom of God is best represented in Jesus and in Jesus' work. And for us, it is knowing and following Jesus with our lives. When God created the heavens and the earth, God created his kingdom. And then sin and the flesh stained that kingdom in that reality. And now throughout the pages of the Old Testament and through Jesus' life and death and resurrection and today through the power of the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ God continues to fight to reestablish his kingdom until one day Jesus returns and it is fully restored and all things are made new, heaven and earth. So that's the kingdom of God. And For some of you, that might still seem really abstract, and we're going to unpack this throughout the series based on some of Jesus' teachings in the Gospel of Luke. So what is not the kingdom of God? What are some competing narratives? What are some competing ideologies that we run across in our world today? So the kingdom of God is not the cartoon that depicts a white-bearded God sitting on a cloud, as if we were all wearing diapers and playing harps. That's not the kingdom of God. Now, art has done a great job in inspiring us to think big and dream and and consider the majesty of God. But the prevalent image of God being an old guy in the clouds probably isn't that accurate, right? That's not the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not the naive dream that somehow through just more education and more time we can teach and learn sin out of the world. and and attain some utopia, right? That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not the vague notion of some nameless divine spark helping us to all be the best version of ourselves. That's not the kingdom of God because we know God has a name. And the kingdom of God is not a political dream that says if we could just vote the bad guys out of office and get the good guys in, we get to live in a righteous world. That is also not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is Jesus. And we've been given and entrusted an incredible picture of that in the Gospels. The kingdom of God is what Jesus did and what he's doing and what he's going to do. And that's the kingdom of God and that's why we want to know him more and follow him. Author and pastor Mark Driscoll writes this. He says, The kingdom is both a journey and a destination. Both a rescue operation in this broken world and a perfect outcome in the new heaven and earth to come. Both already started and not yet finished. And friends, when we dig into God's word, when we dig into Jesus' teachings and his life and the power of the Holy Spirit, we will experience more of the kingdom of God in our lives. And that means the people and places around us in our lives will also experience more of the kingdom of God because we are there. Our text this morning from Luke talks about John the Baptist and preparing the way and the role that God called John the Baptist to in preparing the way. It's a rather unique role, right? Right? Now, Luke puts John in the region around the Jordan. Now, many of us, when we think of biblical times, we maybe picture something, some vast, expansive territory, right? And if John spent all of his ministry and time in the region around the Jordan, that was a quite a small place. Um, I didn't measure it, but think of, think of maybe Radcliffe over to Jewell, down to Boone, maybe down to Huxley, and then circle back up around. We're not talking about a huge area. We think of a herald, somebody preparing the way, going from village to village to village. But that isn't how it was with John the Baptist. He was out in the wilderness, and for the most part, the Bible tells us, people are actually coming to him to hear what he has to say and to listen to his teaching. And John brings this rather apocalyptic message to those who come to hear him preach. Picking up in verse 7, he said, Therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. People were flocking to him to hear this message. <laughs> now you know why some preachers maybe get doom and gloom from time to time. He calls them venomous snakes, and he says that being a child of Abraham means nothing if they aren't repenting and turning away from their sin. And John proclaims that everything that does not bear good fruit is going to be thrown into the fire. Quite the wake-up call, right? Maybe people were flocking to the wilderness to hear him because nobody was willing to preach that message. Or maybe God anointed him and filled him with the Spirit for this time and place for this purpose. John the Baptist continues to offer an alternative. In verse 10, he says, The crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be content with your wages. So John gives some specific admonitions, some specific counsel to what repentance looks like. So to everyone in the crowd, he says, share with those in need. That's not a tough one to wrap our heads around, right? You have two of something and somebody has none and they, they need that. But there's a spirit of generosity that marks the kingdom of God. And he says, don't use your position as a tax collector to steal. So integrity might be something that marks the kingdom of God. And he says, don't use your position of power as a soldier to extort and steal. In other words, these things have no place in the kingdom of God. John is preparing the way for righteousness in the flesh. For the one who is righteous above all human standards in history. And that's Jesus. And our gospel passage today continues. They think, this guy might be the Christ. John might be the one. And John the Baptist makes it clear that he is just a herald for the king to come. He is the one preparing the way that he baptizes only with the water of the Jordan River, but the one who is to come after him is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Jesus' power and the kingdom of God are divinely commissioned and divinely empowered. What do I mean by that? God is the one instituting and bringing his kingdom, and he's the one empowering the church to participate and help those purposes. The kingdom of God is divinely commissioned and divinely empowered. And that's good for me because that takes, the pow- that takes all the weight off my shoulders of trying to somehow, in and of my own power and strength, bring about the kingdom of God in my life and around me. It is God supplying the power and the direction. And so the Gospel of Luke tells us that this is evident in Jesus' baptism. Just as the Father and the Word of the Spirit are are there all the way back in the beginning of Genesis when God first creates his kingdom on earth, all three are present in the baptism of Jesus as well. In the voice from heaven, in the Son, and in the dove representing the Holy Spirit. And with that, we get to see this monumental shift. This is a big thing. This is like the pinnacle of scriptures, right? In the Gospels. The rescue is underway. God, through his son, is calling his people and all people back to him to reestablish his good and his holy and his perfect kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I hope that gives you a good introduction to why the kingdom is urgent and what the kingdom is how can we experience more of the kingdom in our lives? I mentioned prioritizing things in our life, and I think that's really resonated with me over the last couple months. So a few weeks back in our Romans series, it seemed good to bring Matthew 6.33 into one of my messages. And it's really fitting here. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, seek Jesus and his work first, And everything else that matters will come and fall into place. Because we've prioritized our lives around the king of the kingdom that we want to see come more in our lives. So how can we experience more of the kingdom of God? There's there's one thing, kind of a big thing I want you to chew on in the coming weeks as we dig into this. Jesus' love is unconditional but your participation in the work of the kingdom is optional. His love is unconditional, but your participation in his work is optional. I don't believe that Jesus is going to coerce or manipulate you into doing kingdom work here on earth. But he wants us to. And he loves us so much. And he sets this gift in front of us as a positive motivator so that we can taste and see the glories and the riches of god as we carry out his work here on earth he promises that if we seek first this kingdom everything else that matters will be given unto us everything else will fall into place and that doesn't mean the kingdom of god is always an easy thing it doesn't mean What God calls us to do is always butterflies and puppy dogs, but everything that God calls us to do is worth it. Everything that he calls us to do in life is for his love and grace and gospel and kingdom. And so I can't think of any reason why we wouldn't want to be a part of that. So if you want to experience more of the kingdom of God in your life and in this place, I encourage you to take the time and the effort that it's going to take in the coming months to dig into Jesus' life and to learn what he has to say about the kingdom of God in the Gospel of Luke and in other scriptures. And ask God to open your eyes to this incredible gift. If you don't have the desire to open it, ask for the desire to open it. And I believe God will answer those prayers. Let's pray. Lord, you, uh, you are mighty and strong, and you have set your kingdom before us. And although we don't know exactly what that means in every moment, in every day, in every place, help us to trust, Lord, that you indeed are good and that this is a gift worth being opened. Lord, we thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you for the gospel, the good news, that Jesus is king, and that we can experience freedom from sin and death. We thank you for that, Lord. And now, Lord, we ask that you would lead us in your footsteps to be more active and more understanding, to be bigger participants in your kingdom work here on this earth as individuals and as a church. Lord, we know that our own efforts can't do that, so we pray, Lord, that you would empower us through your spirit and through your wisdom and through your word and through your understanding, God. We pray, Lord, that we could see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.